All right, what's up to all the cinephiles out there? Welcome to another episode of the Marquee Spotlight, coming to you from the always sunny Portland, Oregon. I'm your host, Spencer Bailey, and I'm here with my co-host, she knows kung fu, Chelsea Burnett. Thank you. Hey, Spencer. God, I love love that line delivery. Keanu, Keanu was perfect for that. Yep. Will Smith, you're an idiot. Um, Glad we could get together to do this last one before the year's up. Uh, We were worried there's going to be a big snow scare. It did snow, but very manageable. Uh, So here we are. We're going to talk about the spotlight topic of the episode, uh, The Matrix Revisited and Resurrected. Uh, We're going to start off by talking about the original trilogy before getting into our review of The Matrix Resurrections, which just came out recently. Chelsea, any thoughts before we get started? No news. We're just going to get into it today. Yeah, we're diving in. With this being our last episode of the year and covering Matrix, I it, it kind of, for some reason, just goes perfectly hand in hand for me. I think because the Matrix was, you know, when it premiered in 99, Y2K was so on the mind and the the topics of of tech in the Matrix and, and Y2K, it was... It was really kind of perfect timing, and um, anytime a new year comes around, I'm always brought back to thinking about the the uh, chaos around Y2K. I don't know about you. Yeah, sometimes. I, I remember my parents just being like, this is so stupid. Don't worry about it. And so I was just like, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> but but you're right. I could see why it was. It was 99 when it came out, and something to do with technology we didn't all know. Uh, so I could see why you say that. Yeah, it it just this this really just seems uh, very uh, kismet or something, whatever the right word would be that we're talking about this right here and now. So um, I'm excited to dive in, though. I um, as we were talking off mic, I I I failed. I did not get to see the third Matrix, but um, I I know that you can fill in for my blind spots there. Um, I did. I had a lot of fun though uh, with my rewatch of the original Matrix, and and we can get into that. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So so right off the bat, the original Matrix. So you're a little bit younger than me. I vividly remember it being in theaters. I remember going to the theaters to see other movies, and the poster was up, and it looked cool. But here's the thing. When the first Matrix came out, none of us knew what the hell it was. Mm-hmm. The commercials would come on. You, know, you remember the shot of Keanu Reeves doing the, the lean back where the bullets go over him. Other than that... I don't think anything was really grabbing anyone. And I think we all just kind of assumed that it was another generic action movie. Yeah. That maybe it would be okay, but nobody was really rushing out to see it at first. I don't think anyone anticipated the heavy sci-fi element uh, to the movie. I think you're right. I think it was going in just thought it would was just your average everyday action movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely remember like nobody was really talking about it. And the longer it was in theater, towards the end of its run, I started to hear people go, yo, did you see that Matrix movie? And I was like, no, you you saw that? Like, I just thought it. It just, I don't know, like cool poster or whatever, um, especially the way they were dressed. It was like that era of Blade. Everybody's wearing leather. And, yeah. But especially when it came out on like to Blockbuster, then people were really talking. And I finally was like, okay, I got to go rent this movie. I remember watching it for the first time. I could not believe what it was. And to be honest with you, the first time I watched it, I didn't fully understand what what it was? No, I think that uh, until my my 
most recent rewatch of a couple days ago of The Matrix, I also was like, I still don't think I quite understand. Like I couldn't, I either couldn't remember, it just had always gone over my head about what exactly The Matrix was, what time period this took place in, when they were strapped to the chairs and plugged in, and when they were actually in their real bodies. Like it, it, it so I'm, I think the, what I think what the Wachowskis were so, smart about is they didn't try to over explain anything. It was like they dropped you in to this world and let it sort of wash over you. And um, it was it's like a type of confusing that actually doesn't bother me or take me out of my enjoyment of the movie. Sure. I just I couldn't it was just mind blowing because it was it'd been a long time I felt like before we'd got something that fresh and original. And I know people will be out there nitpick. It's like, well, actually, it kind of takes elements. Whatever. Look, like, the combination of everything they put together to create the Matrix was was very new on top of the effects. And that's one thing that I'm still blown away about. Yeah. The fight choreography, the use of effects, practical effects especially. Uh, yes, I'm happy you mentioned that. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. It still holds up. Yes. If anything, I think that uh, the whatever limitations they had with their budget it was still the biggest budget the Wachowskis had worked with to that point but it wasn't for a movie of a story of this the scale that they were making it was a fairly limited budget and they really made every penny count and maybe in some ways if they weren't able to do as much CGI it probably worked out for the best and made the movie a little more everlasting because uh, it's not as easily pinpointed and dated by uh, overuse of not the best CGI at um, at the end of the 90s. 1,000%. Yeah. Like, I, I remember I watched it for the first time in a long time, like last year, and or maybe the year before that, I don't remember, but it was recently. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, was this as important of a film as I remember it being, I, I, I felt like it wasn't going to be. And like, I just watched it. I was like, no, it is. Mm -hmm. Especially like you get to the lobby scene, yeah. the lobby shootout. It's still just, there's nothing like that. Everything in the first movie was copied to death. And I, I remember like how implemented the matrix was into our zeitgeist. There were so many spoofs of Trinity Bullet doing the, the jump up, you know, cat pose and, Everybody spoofed that. Everybody spoofed Keanu dodging the bullets. It's one of those things. I Sometimes I, I like to bring up like hit songs, songs we've heard a million times, right? Like Smells Like Teen Spirit or something like that. We've heard it so many times. When you go to a store or something, it's on. It kind of just drifts one ear and out the other. But every once in a while, you just have to stop and like listen to a song you've heard many times ago. Oh, yeah, this is a really good song. And that's kind of the matrix. If you got to stop and take it in and you just go, oh, yeah. This movie is really fantastic, and what they achieved is really impressive. This is why it was special, yeah. I I wanted to go back to you talk about their look on the poster, and um, I think that that look could have so easily been dorky. And cheesy, yes. And cheesy, and the charisma of the the lead actors, so Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, and Keanu Reeves, they really pull it off so well. And I think that the style, if anything, just in rewatching um the second Matrix, I I think they look even sexier and sleeker in some scenes. So uh that um 
even though it's a very again very specific look it it aged well in my rewatch here um in 2021 i still think that they they look sexy as hell so uh and very cool it works very well within within the world no i agree that's a great point i mean those outfits could have definitely been yeah it could have it could have gone wrong Right. And I think one thing that really worked with is because they made the distinction of we dress like this in the Matrix. In the real world, we kind of look like schlubs. We're wearing mm-hmm. ripped up sweaters and, yeah. you know, hiding in, in, in the ground from these machines. But yeah, I mean, even just the thought of, and I'm sure they're not the first people to think about it, but really using the energy we produce as humans to power, have us slaves through the energy we produce to power these these machine cities. I just thought that was just, I had never seen that before up to that point. And I just thought that was really cool. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is the use of guns. I love how they can have all these guns and it doesn't really give them an advantage because what's coming for them can't be killed. So it doesn't make them the action heroes of the 80s where they just mow down all the bad guys. They're never safe. It doesn't matter what weapons they have. I I really appreciate that too. Oh yeah, good point. I I I also I think that the action scenes that really, even though the Matrix is famous now for bullet time, I think the scenes that work the best uh, are the kung fu scenes for me. Um, yes. So uh, I um yeah I think uh, you can tell the dedication that the the actors like put their body through to get to get in the best shape uh, that they could to really make that work. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is some of the best fight choreography we had seen in a long time. You know, part of that also is the camera work, right? Mm -hmm. You cutting between the shots makes everything seem faster than it probably was, but the fight scenes are fast and Mm -hmm. there were styles of fighting that, you know, we hadn't seen in mainstream movie and people you wouldn't expect to see fighting like that, like Lawrence Fishburne and and Hugo Weaving yes. doing these complex choreographed karate scenes was was, but it even Hugo Weaving who looks like a plain old dude in a suit. It's so cool. And what a presence him. he has! Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, His voice. I mean, that delivery, Mister Anderson, is uh, you'll you'll never get it out of your head. So and where's that guy been? He like. Comes out of the 90s doing the Matrix movies and Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. And then he did voice work on Transformers, which are not good. What happened? Where'd Let's he go? bring him back. I know. Because uh, as we'll get into it, yeah, he 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 was missed in the last in the in the latest uh Matrix movie. But um, but uh, yeah, we will dive into that. Do we want to kind of transition into your thoughts on the sequel? Mm. Oh, into uh, reload? Yeah. Well, a few more things I wanted to say about the original one. The pacing was still, I mean, it's really amazing how well the movie holds up. Pacing's really good. You know, you're focused the whole time. I mean, just a well-crafted movie. And then the ending left it to where if that's it, then that's the end. But can also lead into sequels. And Because I don't think they knew if they were going to get to make sequels. Mm-hmm. 
they they built a really 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 compelling world that um that they gave just enough to uh and to give you just a taste to want more um but yeah like it didn't it didn't feel incomplete uh and so often i think there are movies you can watch that didn't get the sequel that they were expecting to have they were maybe overconfident and so they leave it on a weird cliffhanger that just doesn't uh, lend anything to sure. the movie, yeah, and to the legacy. Oh, if there is one more thing, I, I did want to talk about um, with uh, with the Matrix and the themes, and also with the Wachowskis' identity. Um, they uh, both have transitioned; they're both trans women, and um, I think that there. I've heard a lot of conversation around identity and the Matrix, and being able to sort of you know, shape however you see yourself uh, using, using the, the matrix in a way that can, yeah, you can bend things to how you see fit. And, um, and if you, uh, and I think that there is something kind of, uh, there's like a beautiful connection there to see that this is a, something that was obviously top of mind for both of them and, um, and how it, it then manifested in, in their own life. And, um, and I do, I have heard quite a few queer people talk about how meaningful the, the matrix trilogy is to them. And so I just thought that was something worthwhile to, to bring up, but, uh, I'm not, uh, enough. I don't think I am well-versed enough to go much deeper into it, but I did just want to just wanted to mention it. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly seen a lot of talk around that, particularly recently with the new one coming out. I will say, though, just in terms of people trying to find the deeper meaning in the Matrix, and I don't mean necessarily this topic, I just mean period. I mean, when the first one came out, it was all about, like, what does it mean? It's saying, like, we're all in the system, man. Oh, yeah, red pill, blue pill. uh, Yeah, I got to tell you, this is, like, one of the times where I don't care about any of that. I just wanted to take this cool story Mm -hmm. in. I don't need to know what it symbolizes. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, But Chelsea, I don't think we can move into Reloaded until we bring this up. And I I just brought it up for a second earlier. But the original person asked to play Neo, this is a pretty famous story at this point, was Will Smith. They came to Will Smith to play Neo. And he turned them down to do Wild Wild West. (laughs) Which, you know, had quite a life on uh, TNT. I, 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 I can't tell you how many times I've seen Wild Wild West on TNT through well, the years. Look, but, uh, I'm sure Will got a nice paycheck for that movie, and he got a nice paycheck for the music that he made to go with it. Mm-hmm. But yikes, Will. Yeah, but I don't know if it – I don't think the movie would have worked as well with I agree. him in it. I can't see it. Uh, he may have overwhelmed it with his presence, uh, his movie star. Uh, and at that point, quality. I don't think he had acted serious enough yet mm-hmm. to play that role. But I think you're right. I, I mean, Keanu was a big star too, but I, I don't know. I can't. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to picture it. it it's same way that um, Will Smith was the first person Tarantino asked to play Django, mm. and I just I think it's a better movie with Jamie Foxx. Yeah. I I cannot picture Will Smith being in a movie like that. I just can't mm-hmm. see it. Yeah, Jamie Foxx has an edge to him that worked really well for that that role. I um I also learned um uh, that the Wachowskis really 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 wanted Johnny Depp. And wow. the studio is actually the one that steered them after they couldn't have uh Will after Will Smith turned it down, the studio steered them towards Keanu Reeves. 
God, has Johnny Depp ever done a movie where he has to get an intense hand-to-hand combat with somebody? That I when I learned that, I was trying to picture his his body even working for to could because Keanu just has a different body type. I, I think that that could fill out sure. those costumes better too. I, yeah. And we'd seen him in action films up to this point too. So mm-hmm. I don't Johnny Depp ever done an action movie. I mean, I guess you could say Pirates of the Caribbean, but yeah, I'd like to know what they saw in him yeah. that they wanted so so badly. But yeah, okay. So so some time goes by, and then we hear the, the Wachowskis want to do a trilogy and they're just going to film the next two movies together and they're going to cut you. Normally they do that. Like Lord of the Rings came out Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Well, this time they were like, we're going to put out one movie and then six months later, we're putting out the other one. So I was excited because at this point I'd watched the matrix multiple times. And funny enough, I had a friend that said, Hey, do you want to go see the new matrix tonight? And I said, sure. I didn't realize it was opening night. We had to stand in line, Oh God! <laughs> but I did get to see uh, reloaded in theaters. Was that was? Do you remember the energy in the room? Yes, I mean that? it was it was full, and everybody was intently into the intensely into the movie. But I will never ever forget. It's one of the movie experiences that is imprinted on my brain. The freeway scene in the theater. I mean, just the way you felt. There was already tension because they're being chased, but. This is and this is just good dialogue. This is good storytelling that you don't need the backstory here. Trinity just says to Morpheus, "You told us to never get on the freeway." And Morpheus is like, "Yeah, well, we don't really have a choice." And it's like, "Why why what's the deal with the freeway?" And I will never forget literally gripping my armrest, holding my breath and just leaning forward that whole we walked out of there and it's what we talked about the most was that freeway scene. Mm-hmm. In theaters, it was incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. In uh, rewatching the second one, the other thing that really stood out to me is the chemistry between Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. I think they, um, I mean, they definitely amp up the uh, the, the sex between them in, in the second movie. I, I, I there's were also. You, were you really waiting for that, Chelsea? <laughs> yeah. Were you glad? Glad they went ahead and. Yeah, I wanted that sex scene. <laughs> no, but I I mean, I wasn't hating on it once I saw it. I was like two beautiful people. They look great together. And um why everyone I, else why everyone else was rave dancing in the yeah, cave. Yeah, but all Morpheus very, a big fan of uh, house music, I guess. I know, but it it did come together for me because the I like that they're exploring a different what what we saw in the first Matrix was, you know, very pale greens, um, worked super well for the storytelling. They're exploring a different side of this story in, in the second film. They're going down deep into Zion and sort of, ex, you know, they're introducing us to what is so special about Zion and uh, what better way to do that and I guess to show a bunch of sweaty bodies and people enjoying themselves. <laughs> so um I, I don't know. I, I I felt I just wanted to mention that because uh I I thought what what I loved so much about the first film is I think that Trinity her that moment when she whispers to Neo about how she you know the Oracle told her that she would the that the one you know this is the one thing that the Oracle couldn't exactly i guess uh predict that um 
necessarily who the man would be that she would fall in love with. Anyway, when she's putting those pieces together, it, I it I I was a goosebump moment for me. I I love it, and I thought I thought it was so beautiful in the first movie. Her line delivery of telling him how she loves him, and I was just very happy to uh, see more of their love story. Well, yeah, and film. I'm I'm giving you shit, but I, I actually think this is one of those moments where a sex scene was actually important Mm -hmm. because you're right. The movie ends with just that line. And I mean, that's kind of a, if we want to get nitpicky, that's kind of a cheap ploy for a movie to be like, well, you can't die because she said, I love the person who's the one and I love you. It's like, okay. But having a scene like that in the follow-up movie does show um, a passion between them and that this is an actual relationship makes it more real. And I'd say in general, I know people really don't like the second and third movie nearly as much as the first one. And most of the people's issues is with the third movie. But I did like that they fleshed the worlds out a little bit more in the second movie. And not just like, to your point about Zion, we got to see more people, more characters introduced. You see a government in place. Because, I mean, you don't have to think they've been fighting this war with the machines forever, and you just have to go off what Morpheus told you in the first movie. To see it all laid out in the second movie, it's like, okay, here we go. But also fleshing out the, the dynamics of the Matrix. Yeah. The first one, you just get the agents. It's, I mean, I don't know. People kind of don't like it, but I like how it's all of these characters are computer programs. Mm-hmm. So you now have a key maker, and you have the architect, and you have uh, the French guy. I don't remember what his... Um, title is but and then you have different kinds of uh i almost think of the agents as like antiviruses you have different kind you have the twins that have more powers than than even the the agents do uh so i really appreciated that now i will say the one thing i remember walking out of reloaded other than the freeway scene is the entire explanation from the architect and in the movie me and my friend that I went with were both like, what the hell is that guy talking about? (laughs) It was like a really convoluted way of explaining. Essentially what he was explaining was that you're not special, Neo. There's always been a one. And this is a storyline that we recycle all the time. Now, I don't really remember why that is. It's something about keeping the matrix running smoothly, but I feel like that could have been explained a little bit better. Because I, I, I just remember being very confused. And on Pond's second watch, I think I understood it a little more. But you got to see more of Neo's powers. Oh, so much flying. Yeah, more flying. He saves Trinity's life. He has the ability to bring people back from the, from the dead. The other thing I really love about, too, is that uh, Tank was replaced. And you find out because that guy got a big head yes. and thought he was worth a lot of money. He's like, I want to get paid as much as Keanu Reeves. And they told him to kick rocks. <laughs> I think he's uh, Tommy Chong's son. Yeah, and yeah, he is. Yeah, or if he's, he's or nephew t- or he, related. Yeah, that, I think that's it because he's Radon Chong's son. Okay, and that's Tommy Chong's daughter. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay, great. Yeah, related in some way. Yes. Yeah. So, but I uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's character I really liked. I thought she added this uh, complicated aspect of Morpheus's life because mm-hmm. uh, Morpheus just kind of seems like this great philosopher you know this this almost like leader of you know revolutionary leader and it's like oh but he's he's a grounded human humanized being in the middle of all this too so i really enjoyed matrix reloaded i think it you know what made the first matrix so cool is that the story was fresh it was new so going into reloaded 
you already knew the story, but fleshing it out more, I really appreciated. And they, you know, more really great effects, more really great choreo- choreographed fight scenes. They started to incorporate a little CGI, but it wasn't as bad as the, like the third movie. So I still really like Reloaded. And now with uh, the third, would do you think they rushed it too much? Uh, you know, why do you think they wanted to drop them in the same year? You know, that's a good question. And I remember them explaining when it happened, but I don't remember the reason why. Um, I'm sure it's just because it became such a phenomenon at the end of its theatrical life and through rentals that they were like, well, let's just, you know, Ride this get, let's just get these stories. I think money. Money is yeah. usually the answer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they did put out the Animatrix too, and there were a couple of video games. So there was there was more, and they broke down other parts of the story. Um, so they were trying to flesh out this whole world. And honestly, that was enough. And they should have left it alone. And we'll get to the new movie in a minute. But people have a lot of problems with, with Revolutions, the third movie. It's definitely the weakest of the trilogy. And it does take quite a step down from the other two, but I don't think it's as bad as people act like it is. I just think there's some problematic aspects to it. There's some clunky storytelling. There's some unnecessary, like it could have been cut down a little bit. There's some scenes and some characters that you just don't really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big battle scene where the squiddy robots are attacking the Zion main gate and they're all in these like mech warrior, like mechanized robots trying to stop the squiddies and, it's not a terrible scene. It's a little long, especially for it's a bunch of people that you're not really that invested in. But of course, the ending to the Matrix was is is tragic. It's a traditional tragedy where both Trinity and Neo die. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity dies in a they're in a ship and they crack wreck the ship and she dies in the wreckage and says goodbye to Neo, who has been blinded by the way. Uh, Agent Smith takes over someone in the real world somehow. Uh, it's not really explained to us how he does it. Just go with it. Blinds Neo. Uh, Neo makes a bargain with the robots because Smith has taken over the Matrix entirely. And he says, I can stop him. But if I can stop him, you need to let the people that want to be free be free. And uh, and, he, and he succeeds, but sacrifices himself. And I think that that was a good ending. And it showed the... I don't know. It's just, uh, you can't always have happy endings. Mm-hmm. And there's more depth to the story if this this tragedy happens. And it shows, like, you. this is the one part of the story where you can compare it to symbolism of, you know, this is how revolutions happen. Everybody doesn't get to just live. Yeah. Um, and it makes Neo, I think it makes his character bigger that even in human form, he was willing to to do something like that. Having now learned this and how they had ended the trilogy, uh, they really went in different direction for Resurrections. Yeah. And I I can only guess at this, but I wonder if Lana Wachowski, who was the, the sister who did come back to make it, Lily uh, dropped out, but um, if Lana wanted to take the narrative back a little bit about, I mean, we can get into how you know, the the themes of red pill, blue pill have been kind of manipulated and used for men's rights activists, activism and all that. But I, I don't I don't know. And conspiracy conspiracy theories and all that. But um, yeah, I I why do why bring back the Matrix right now? 
uh, yeah, oh, is what I'd like to. You took the words right out of my mouth. So with that being said, let's take a quick break and we'll come back to review Matrix Resurrections. Welcome back to The Matrix. Chelsea, when this movie was announced, and then when the first trailer came out, the only question I had was, why is this being made? And now that I've seen the movie, the question I have is, why the hell was this movie made? <laughs> I mean, one thing, I one point I would say why it was made is, I mean, the Keanu, the Keanu Assange, what I, you know, through John Wick, and the whole story behind that was John Wick is directed by the stunt choreographer, I believe, from The Matrix. They had kept a, a I think that's correct yeah. a relationship. So in some ways, you know, I could see that being one of the most obvious, like you know, Keanu's hot again audiences love him All right, we got a new bill and ted <laughs> yes yeah um i i think i have a little bit more of a favorable view of resurrections than you did um but uh i still think it definitely has its flaws but uh uh yeah what what caused you to say that why why was this made well, i have a lot i mean a lot of reasons and we'll kind of break everything down and by by the way heads up to everyone out there if you haven't seen the movie we're about to spoil the oh, shit yeah. out of this movie yeah like we're going to talk about everything in depth so if, if you have for whatever reason if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the new movie even though it's on hbo max and you care about spoilers stop go watch the movie and then finish the yeah, episode. hopefully you've just enjoyed the first half of our recap of the trilogy, and then you can go um, and watch Resurrection. Right off the bat, Chelsea, it was just boring. I was so bored throughout the whole thing. I mean, there were parts that, I mean, I watched the movie, but there were parts I was really drifting off. I was like, you know, I, I felt like a lot of the movies patronizing us. So, I mean, we can start there, but also, and we're going to break all this down, but you ask, I'm trying to give, mm -hmm. give some reasons. By the time the movie was over, the little speech Trinity has at the end and stuff, and on top of some of the other themes in the movie, I was just like, God, you're just empowering conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers. You're just giving them new memes to put on Facebook. So I groaned at that. I It was way too shticky jokes and, and slapstick and stuff. I, I don't know. And my biggest problem, though, so much of the movie was just like, hey, hey, you remember this? Hey, do you remember that? Oh, remember this? Remember the undershot of the helicopter with the bullets falling and then the helicopter's the building and it, it waves on the building? <laughs> well, we did that again. Don't remember how much you liked that? It's like, don't it, don't patronize me. It was really, really, really meta. I and I, I big time meta. And it was like I was it was working for me to a point, even the line when He's speaking with Jonathan Groff, his uh, his business partner at the the with the video game company, um, and he's you know he's explaining Warner Brothers is wanting to make this uh, you know they're they're wanting to make a fourth Matrix because for anyone listening, if you haven't seen, they're uh, were dropped into um, Neo or Keanu Reeves not as Neo back as. Uh, and Mr. Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. 
Uh, but he's now a f- world famous video game designer. And uh, he had instead, I, I guess the universe we're living in now is that Mr. Anderson made the Matrix video game, which is everything we saw in the first Matrix movie. Well, yeah, it sounded like he made three video he games. He made three video games. And now, yeah. as It's made him wealthy. It's made him fa- semi-famous, made him important in the video game world. And their commentary on making another game is probably the same commentary as why make this move a fourth movie. Yeah. And in they the, bring in the real life. Yeah. And they just in our break right now, you said, I want to talk about Christina Ricci. Yeah. They drop her in just in the middle of a montage, one scene. Here's Christina Ricci in like a boardroom scene, yep. sort of explaining this is what we want to see out of the, the, the fourth game. Never to be heard from again. Yeah. Um, so let's start from the very beginning. And you talk about it being meta. So, the movie starts off almost exactly like the first movie. Yes. Um, you have a leather-clad woman in a rundown room on the phone with somebody. Three agents come up, but one of them is... Well, maybe all three of them are different. Cops say, don't worry about it, our boys are in. Main agent turns and says, sir, your, your men are already, already dead. dead. Just like the first movie. They go in, she does the pose... But two people are watching. Yes. And you realize these are two new characters. They think they're watching the Trinity scene. But Trinity gets captured, so something's not right. So first first thing I want to say, Bugs, the, the new yeah, the new girl. Yeah. It got better throughout the movie, but particularly in this scene, I could not understand a damn thing she was saying. No, I had you're to turn right. this closed captioning on. I'm like, I can't I can't understand you. It, I, I agree. It was hard to understand her at times. Um, it got better for sure as the movie went on. I also liked her more as the movie went on too. I yeah. um I, I not only not only did she look great, like I really think she fit the Matrix world and um uh she I I think that she carried that role with a you know the amount of self-seriousness that it needed but also had a light quality to it and I I liked her she worked for me uh if if I mean she had to I guess fill the place of kind of was a Morpheus mixed with Trinity all kind of together kind of character that uh in in the way that she had to educate Neo again, but uh, uh, I I I don't know. I liked her. That that's what I'll. She was okay. At. She was okay. I'd kind of like to see her in something else and see to to really gauge her acting ability. I'd say everyone other than the main three of Keanu Reeves, Carrie Moss, and uh, Neil Patrick Harris were all generic to bad. I, I don't I don't think anybody else in this movie was was doing a particularly good job of acting and. I think a lot of these people are going to be people whose careers are just regulated or, or to, you know, small movies you've never heard of. Kind uh, of similar to the first Matrix, so really, I mean, sure. there was Joey, Joey, Joey Pants, Pants. <laughs> um, but beyond that, no one is super memorable from from the first me- movie, uh, yeah. aside from the, the. Well, you got the, Keanu, Carrie Moss, Lawrence oh, Fishburne, Hugo I guess Hugo Weaving, Weaving. Sorry, Joey yeah. Pants. Uh, we're all, you know, all good actors. But but yeah, I think acting took a step down. So oh, although can I can I say because oh, yeah. I, I my biggest nitpick, what made this movie 
really not work for me was Neil Patrick Harris. I find him to be so distracting in in most movies that he's in. Um, I don't care for his uh, role. I I don't like what he did in Gone Girl is what I want to say. I, 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 I've heard people talk about how perfect he was for the part he is in Gone Girl, but for me, I he has like a there He's got is a lane. A, he has a lane that that works for him, but it he I I just can never take him. I just can't take him seriously. I don't know, but I I, I don't want to hate on him too much. I will bring this up by saying I actually love Jonathan Groff in this part in playing the the, the new Mister Smith. Um, well, see, so, but that's the thing. I I liked him when he was just Keanu's partner, but when he unceremoniously for some unexplained reason becomes agent Smith in name only. I was like, I don't know. Uh, That's a fair, totally fair point. I think there is a sinister, like devious quality to Jonathan Groff that, um, he also has a real cute side of him. I mean, why he does the voice in Frozen, um, he's 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 great at that, and he's an amazing singer. But uh, he's great, Mindhunter. and he's great in Mindhunter. He's he's soup. He's he's got a real weird um, energy to him, and I liked what they were tapping into in, in in this movie. Sure. So so we're still in the opening scene, and for whatever reason, an agent is starting to question mm-hmm. his being an agent. Don't know why. Don't really give us a reason. So him and Bugs, this character Bugs, start talking like, you've had these visions, I've had these visions. And for some reason, again, not explained to us, you can red pill, blue pill an agent. Mm -hmm. He takes the red pill and starts to, you know, go through the process of coming out of the Matrix, but there's no mirror like they normally use. And he's almost acting drunk. It's really shticky. Why can agents now convert to leaving the Matrix? Don't know. Yeah, because the Morpheus in this, sorry, to oh, jump he, ahead, oh, yeah, to he, reveal that he, he, he thinks he's Morpheus. He calls himself Morpheus. Yeah, that he, he, he though, is not a human. There, He's a complete... Yeah. Uh, they uh, show, like, he, to fast forward, they show in the real world in the new town because they tell you, Again, unceremoniously, Zion's been destroyed. There's a new town now. And anyone that was a program that wants to come in the real world, they have a machine that can formulate them through little beads. Mm -hmm. The little beads. But they still don't explain why an agent can. Why was he having visions? Why can he come out? We don't know. They just shove it in our face and say, accept it. Now deal with it. Yeah, there's a lot that's waved away of just saying like, Oh, we we developed this in the last. Uh, I think they they pinpointed to it's been about sixty years since the the last film, the events in the last film that have taken place. Sixty years have now passed, um, and they just kind of yeah explain that away by saying like technology has advanced so that we don't need to use telephone booths anymore. And uh, the operators, yeah. you can see them in the matrix, uh-huh. but what they look like. Another thing I want to say is this movie was way too polished. It lost that gritty look that the old movies had. You know, it just had that like gritty downtown New York look to it. When she's telling the story of 
she was a window washer and she saw oh. Keanu about to jump. The way the sky looked behind him, I'm like, God, what is this? Is this a a, a Michael Bay movie or something? I mean, it just looks terrible. There, there, there are. I'll give that to you. There were other uh, scenes that dealt with darkness and light that I thought were so beautiful, though. Like the the this act, the fight scene in the movie that I thought was just so visually striking, really, really worked for me. Is that scene when they're in kind of like a dilapidated like. I don't know where house of sorts and when um those other um uh they're they're having to fight the other characters that man is it that french guy that's screaming oh, uh, yeah, yeah. at, at uh-huh. them yeah uh I I I think I was I'm I'm blanking a little bit on who all those people were because I was really taken out of it like by how pretty the scene was I thought matrix zombies mm. like the the um, Neil Patrick Harris who is neo's therapist but you find out is really the the main antagonist the villain he can take people over almost like zombies where the matrix code comes down their eyes and he can control them it's a new which i thought that was kind of cool i was all right with that Mm -hmm. okay so going into the next scene it's what you were talking about we see mr anderson he made these video games he works for a big company and they do start getting into the meta stuff we were talking about like critics are asking why are we going to make a fourth game what is it and then they were even talking about like People still talk about what does the symbolism in the in the Matrix mean, and I kind of was like, okay, all right, all right, I'm into this. Let's see where this is going. Maybe this is not going to be a, a new Matrix movie like we know. Maybe they're going to explore a whole new a whole new theme. Maybe what we saw in the original movies was never real. Maybe it was just this video game created by Thomas Anderson. So I I I like that. I like where it made us think we were going. Yeah, but it didn't deliver. It, it didn't stay there. We get the same scene. Morpheus calls Neo, and he's like, run to this cubicle. I'm like, are we, are we just, it's just. It really was the first movie over again. Yeah. over again. Until, yeah, like we said, he's being attacked, and his partner just smiles, picks up a gun, and goes, hello, Mr. Anderson. He's like, Smith, no explanation. Hugo Weaving's not in this movie. I did like, though, that, uh, while Neo's going through his therapy um, appointments, and there's this montage why um, White Rabbit by Jefferson mm-hmm. Airplane uh, yes. playing, yeah. and his medication is the blue pill. Yeah, I uh, like that a lot. Too. I like that. That was that was a good montage of the first half of the film that uh, I liked. The, yeah. yeah, definitely the most. But uh, the keep referencing stuff. Bugs had the rabbit tattoo, and she it wasn't even subtle. She was just like, "Would this help change your mind? This rabbit tattoo on my arm." And Ooh la la! Just uh, it was just so patronizing. Um, is it time to start talking about how uh, Tiffany, aka Trinity, is reintroduced to the story? Well, go ahead, take it away. Okay, so they they um, they they meet. Uh, so uh, Thomas Anderson and and Tiffany meet in a coffee shop, a San Francisco coffee shop that had a really cutesy name that now I'm forgetting. Um, it had something to, that played into tech and the matrix and everything. But, um, uh, the, and they have, there is an energy between them. They can sense they, we, you know, we, as the audience are seeing these two people look at each other saying, I must know you, but I can't place why. And the rest of the film kind of is dealing with um, once I once Neo is brought to his is reeducated and and in this world and and um, 
how he's been blue pilled for all these for 60 years and now they're bringing him back and now we have to get for the sake of humanity basically we have to get trinity back um i the I, I I enjoyed I could see that being kind of fan service to see the two characters uh, reconnect, especially if they died so tragically in the third. But yeah, it did go into corny, cornyville a bit. Big time. Relationship. And I actually I'm going to push back on you a little bit like this. I think it cheapens the old movies because it's like it was almost made to just go. Well, why don't we just give we'll get to the ending. But why don't we just give Neo and Trinity a happy ending after all? And it's just. It's insulting to you as creators to, mm-hmm. to go back and do that. It's just cheap and unnecessary. Yeah. So they wake Neo up the same way. Mirror, bread pill. He wakes up in the goop just like last time. They get him out of there. Uh, he's. But it works so much better in the first movie. I mean, to to uh, to go that whole, even though the, even though CGI is better these days, what they accomplished with practical effects yeah. in 1999 is yeah. a million times I, you know, better. I think the effects look way worse in this movie. Um, so he sees old Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, oh, second. Uh, that is my second least favorite performance in the film. I, I Maybe it's not her fault. I guess I got to say, I didn't like her old age makeup. It was really distracting to me. It's supposed to, to be 60 years and in, in their yeah. f- have passed yeah. in their re- real time. So, so yeah, so then... Same thing. They're checking his plugs just like the first movie. But everybody knows who he is. He's a legend. There's even someone on the ship that's whole job is to be like a neo-historian. Goes back into the Matrix. So this is my next big complaint. Choreography, what a massive step down. The Mm -hmm. fight scenes are so boring, anticlimactic. I just say on the whole, by the way, this movie just felt very small. Mm. The old movies felt big. And there was just this movie felt very small and unimportant throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah, someone, um, my uh, my brother in law Chris, who I was watching it with, he, uh, I I told him I'd give him credit for this because I thought he made a great point. When it ended, he was like, "There was just way too much story that they were trying to cram into one movie, and it just just fell so flat." Yeah. Like, and in in the end, like what you said, it made them it made it feel small. It made it, yeah, absolutely. I think they they shot for the moon and it didn't it just didn't no. didn't work. Well, I mean, in case in point, we're talking about these fight scenes. Neo doesn't have all of his powers, and then the little bit of fighting he does do, he stops, looks at the camera, and goes, "I still know kung fu," <laughs> and like I kind of laughed at that, but then I was just like, oh, "This is so stupid." Uh, anyway, we'll fast forward. You find out that Neil Patrick Harris is really something called the analyst. He's not really just a therapist. He's a program and he can slow everything down. And even so extreme exposition tells you, we use your own power against you, Neo. Bullet time. He says bullet time in the movie. It is That's how we can beat you is by slowing your bullet time down. But I can still move fast. Yeah, he's such a little shit. I don't know, but it didn't. It wasn't the type of sh- little shit I wanted in that scene. I it, I felt a different yeah. actor could have handled it differently, yeah. and it may it may have worked on me better. So then you find out there's a whole thing. They fight some people off. They run away. Neo and Trinity end up on the back of the building. Same helicopter stuff from the first movie. They jump off together, but oh, this time Trinity's got the powers because Neo can't fly at all. Now Trinity can fly. So not only did they get to both come back to life, but now they both have powers, cheapening him being the one, cheapening the sacrifices they made. Whereas 
without even having to do that, I feel that it the point was already made that that they make each other stronger, that Trinity enhances Neo's powers already. And I think that is already just lovely and beautiful enough and didn't need to be ham fisted to show yes. like that uh like I we already understood the stakes. Yeah. We know how powerful the two of them are together. Um and yeah. Great point. Yeah. Great point. I don't know. There were so many parts of this movie where I was I watched it by myself and I was like screaming in my living room <laughs> out of just pain. Uh none worse than when Trinity snaps out of it looks at her quote-unquote husband when he keeps calling her Tiffany and she goes, don't call me that. My name is Trinity. I groaned louder than I've ever <laughs> groaned in my life. Uh, I Like if I was carrying Moss, I'd be like, I'm changing this line. This is terrible. This sounds like a teenager wrote it. Tiffany. Yeah, they do make reference to that where she, like the analyst says like, I know, I, I gave you that name basically because I, I yeah. knew it would bother you. But I, I, if... Uh, as we're kind of reaching again towards the the climax of the film, one thing I did really like, I, I do love the motorcycle shots. I, I loved seeing uh, Neo on the on on the motorcycle with Trinity. And, yeah, um, and being able to stop the cars with the one piece of power uh, in his lap is kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, I liked that a lot. I really liked, um, I thought it was super creepy, the visual of the, the zombie-like bodies falling from buildings and mm -hmm. like a, some, like a, looks like a suicide um maybe one too many bodies are falling all at once it, right. it is a bit overwhelming but it, it was it, it it was it was pretty spooky i will say I liked, when the guy jumped out the window and they were like he's using them as human bombs okay that's kind of cool yeah, yeah um so the movie and i thought the so i'll say one more thing yeah, yeah. too i really liked the cinematography in that scene I, I liked the wet dark city scenes uh they they didn't they didn't look as much like what you called like a Michael Bay kind of uh, too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, too pretty. Too, too pop uh, color pretty seeming to me. I sure. Um, so the end of the movie, so they get away when they find out Trinity can fly and all the other characters get settled or whatever. Then it shows Neil Patrick Harris in his office and they bust through the wall, Neo and Trinity. And one thing I did think was cool, she made a reference earlier in the movie because saying she wanted to kick her husband's jaw off. <laughs> she kicks Neil Patrick's hair's jaw, breaks it, but then he he I resets it. I appreciate the camera stayed far enough away from that where it was just grotesque and horrific enough, but it wasn't like super in your face, right. disgusting. Because it wasn't so, blood and guts, yeah. it was Matrix code. Yeah, where, but it looked like from a distance, it made it seem almost scarier. Right. Yeah. But the other thing to the to the point, so they have this whole speech where they're just like, he's like, well, what are you going to do now? And like, we're going to do whatever we want. And it's, they were bringing up the people still in the Matrix, but it just felt so pointless and empty because at the end of Matrix uh, Revolutions, the architect and the Oracle have this whole conversation like, well, people are freed now. What now? Well, some people are going to want to stay. We're going to leave the choice up to them. The people who are free, want to be free are free. And the people that want to stay in the Matrix are staying in the Matrix. There's nobody to save. But anyway, they fly off, and it's so cheesy Disney. They're holding hands, smiling as they're spinning through the air. Oh, man. Oh. It really kind of took away major cool points from the whole series. Yeah, seeing it in that way. And but. just to put a shitty bow on this shitty movie, uh, making reference to the end of the first one, the credits, the Rage Against the Machine yeah. song. It was the same song, but it was the the brass against the machine band 
It was just uh, awful. I would have, uh, yeah, that that new metal though. It's so funny. What uh, rewatching the first the first movie? Um, how how far we've come, I guess, with music <laughs> in the last twenty some years. So that's gonna do it. Uh, this being a movie review episode, we're going to. This is the recommendation. So we're gonna do our. Rating system, I don't think I've explained it in a while, so I'll just rehash it for everyone. It's a one, two, three system. Three means go out and see this immediately. Two is you should get around to it when you have time. And one is watch at your own risk or avoid entirely. This movie was so poorly done and patronizes the viewer and really just seems like it was a cash grab. And thankfully, that is not working out in their favor because it's not making any money. Um, it just really reminded me of the way I felt when I left Jurassic World. Like, what a cheap, cheap way to just play off our nostalgia and not give us any substance in a film. So I'm going to give this movie the very rare numero uno, and I say with distinction, fuck this movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll come in to, to bring it up just one notch. I'm giving it a two. It's, it's, it's teetering on a two to a one, but I... I give it a two because I think there um, are some very, very visually pleasing elements to the movie. I I really enjoyed watching this um, on our new TV that is able to, you know, it was it, it showcased the HDR content. I think it is probably one of the first movies I've seen on streaming that that truly like showed what our TV is able to do. and. Um, that's such a dorky, weird thing to say, but it, it worked for me. I, I did love, uh, I love some of the, the light and color, uh, use in the movie. I also was just a sucker to see Trinity and Neo together again, but I'm not as, I, I'm not like a, a true blue, like matrix fan. So I could see where that could also be kind of insulting after the, the movie was supposed to end a certain, the series was supposed to end in a certain way. And then they kind of cheapened that by saying, never mind, it's, we're all going back on it. But I think there are still some things to, to like some things to pull from it. So in that reason, I'll, I'll give it a two. Well, as the Matrix has taught us, we all make our own choices, Chelsea. Yeah, so I yeah. respect your decision. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to do it for our final episode of 2021. Thank you all for listening. We are really excited. We've got some more end of the year movies we're making plans to go see soon. So yeah, the weather cooperates, hopefully. Yeah. So we'll be back soon with uh, more episodes. So for the Marquee Spotlight, I'm Spencer Bailey. I'm Chelsea Burnett. We'll see you in 2022. Thanks for listening. The Marquee Spotlight is recorded in Portland with music composed and produced by Josh Colopy and cover art created by Taylor Ingle. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on new episodes. And if you like the show, please write a review and share with others. <laughs>